Hello everybody, welcome once again to the Long Distance Work Life. I am Wayne Turmel. Marissa is not here today, which means we are having another interview episode. Uh, for those of you unfamiliar, we like to talk to people about what's going on in the world of hybrid and remote work, help them thrive, survive, and generally keep the weasels at bay. I am uh, very excited today to speak to a colleague, uh, Trina Hoffling, who I met in the wilds of the Guatemalan jungle. And that is not nearly as interesting a story as one would hope it would be, uh, given that. But there is Trina. Trina has been in the remote work game actually longer than I have, which is not a lot of people can say that. Uh, she for almost 30 years. She's been dealing with remote work and engagement. She teaches at USC grad school, fa fa fa. And she is the founder of smartworkplace.com where you can find all kinds of good stuff. Trina, how are you, lady? I'm good, sir. How are you? I am swell. Uh, before we started, I, I was saying that we um, have been in this game a very long time and kind of the whole perceptions of remote work have changed. And I have tried, for those of you regular listeners to the show, you know that Marissa is literally half my age. And as a result, she occasionally looks at me like I have three heads. So it is nice to talk to somebody who knows what the heck I'm talking about. We're long uh, in the ear and the tooth, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So here's what I wanna talk about. Uh, Trina, back in the very early days when you were thinking about getting into remote work, what did you explain to people that you were actually trying to do? Well, I was I was business partners with somebody who was our sales guy, so he was the one that took care of that piece of it. But what I remember is that we were we were proposing an integrated solution to connect people who could not be with the team all the time. You know, so it's kind of like the way it is now. It was really a hybrid model. There was no remote model, no 100% virtual model available in those days. We were still working with clients to get ISDN lines. So full-time remote was just really not an option. So we really talked about just bringing more flexibility into the workplace through technology and helping people set up ergonomically correct home offices so that they could be home-based two to three days a week, and then helping them learn how to schedule themselves so that they had the right things in the right places at the right time between offices. I mean, it was really pretty pragmatic in those days. We just didn't have the collaborative technology to make it work. Email was about it. Well, and even then, uh, you know, uh, the whole thing about you just said ISDN lines and about three quarters of our audience just went, huh? What? Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I mean, I can remember, and, and some of you listeners have heard this story. My first big boy job as manager was rolling out email to our company. Mm. And the only reason I got that job is because I was the brainiac who figured out you could get three email addresses on a single AL. AOL account. <laughs> Aren't you smart? I am just apparently some kind of four, you know, just Nostradamus genius. Yeah. Um, 
It's interesting that you said it was mostly about a hybrid model. Uh, and, and I remember that distinctly. But what were some of the concerns? I mean, when you would go to somebody who was a big shot at a company and say, we're going to let people work from home sometimes, what were the concerns? What kind of nightmare were they afraid was going to be unleashed? You know, Wayne, I'm sure that you hear the same thing that, that I've heard all along. The biggest concern is, well, I would say the biggest concern then was really simple. How do I know they're really working? So it came down to management skills. And I remember going to my very first conference. Um, it was the Telework Association in those days. And I remember standing up with, you know, with Jack Nillis and Gil Gordon and all of the, you know, the uh, June Langhorn, you know, some of the best and saying, but what about the managers? We've got to upskill the managers. And they all looked at me like I was crazy because they thought it was all about the systems and the technology. And my position then and today continues, it, technology is the enabler, but people are the key. And employees, direct employees experience with virtual work, with remote work, with hybrid work, often comes down to the relationship they have with their managers and how comfortable that manager, that virtual leader is with a hybrid environment. Because it's, it's different to manage when some people are with you and some people are not. You know, it's a different way of looking at how how to have a collaborative team. So that's what I've always done is focused on that hybrid model. When everybody's remote, you've got an even playing field. But when it's a mix, that's where you really need to upskill your managers. So that was then the thing that I would add to it now would be the concern about culture. Right. We'll lose our collaborative culture. We'll lose our face to face, high touch culture. And in those days, they weren't even conscious enough to think about culture. It was just about this big experiment. Would they try it with one or two people? So, yeah, there's a couple of things that you just said there that, you know, triggered memories slash flashbacks slash PTSD. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, one is the concern was about the tasks. Will the work get done? Right. Will people slack off? Will they lose right. focus? Right. You know, will they pretend to be working and I'm paying them for nothing? But right. it was all about the tasks. And I think I would hope that in the years since and certainly the two years mm -hmm. since the pandemic diaspora, um, we've moved to it's about the culture, right? How do we do right. the collaborative work? I, I don't think anybody is still too worried about are the tasks getting done? Yes and no. You, I, I'm getting some of that, believe it or not. And it's kind of interesting because if you look at the, it depends on the metrics of the organization, right? I've got a client right now where overall during the first year of the pandemic, productivity went up. Right. Because everybody was so committed to making it work that we were all over the top with whatever it takes. And then the second year, burnout started stepping in and some productivity actually began to decline in some organizations. It wasn't the work environment. It was that this was supposed to be temporary and it's becoming this inevitable. We never know when it's going to end. So where where my partner and I are with our clients right now is build for resiliency and build for flexibility 
and that virtuality can be co-located, remote, hybrid, but you build for the resiliency so that people don't think this is a treadmill we're on until a certain time, that we're working and collaborating together to figure out what's the best way for us to work together in the long run, because productivity is only staying high because we're working too hard. We're not necessarily working smarter. So this is a huge opportunity to kind of step back and look at what's working, what's not in these last two and a half years, and where can we tweak and, and course, course correct in a way that creates more efficiencies. You know, it, it's really interesting that you talk about productivity because there are two things. I, I, there's so much, um, but especially around productivity, they're all worried about, you know, can people be more productive? The average knowledge worker is 10 times more productive That's right. than they were right. eight years ago. Right. So the real focus to me is, are they too productive? And let's look for work-life balance. Because I know I'm an, I'm, I've been a workaholic my whole life and I've gone through cycles of burnout where it's really interrupted my career. So as a remote leader, watching for that in your team, and it's kind of a it's kind of a mixed bag, right? You want them to keep going all out, but at the same time, you want people to have enough steam for the long haul. So we're really we're really working with leaders on how to how to be that feedback loop and mechanism to kind of help the whole team stay whole. Well, I think that same thing is also true, not just of productivity, but of engagement. Right. Uh, one of the things that right. surprised right. a lot of leaders was in the first year of the pandemic, engagement shot through the roof. If you look right. at employee engagement stores for, right. you know, Q1 of 2020 versus Q2, Right. They just, and people were like, well, why? Well, because there was a crisis going on and people pulled together and they wanted to make it work and they had each other's backs. And right. this was all going to be over by Memorial Day. Right. Right. <laughs> and so, you know, we had just gotten to the point where we figured out we could get the work done. And there was a lot of what I call stealth remote work. There always was. There so, always was really cool marketing is what I always called it. <laughs> you know, it was uh, my You're kid's sick today. Can sorry. I take my kid's sick today? Can I take that conference call mm -hmm. from home? Mm -hmm. uh, I need to finish this report. And you know what it's like sitting next to Trina. So I'm going to go home. And, right. You know, so I'm going to go home and get this done. <laughs> um, you know, th this had been going on for a while. So I think when we all got pushed across the Rubicon, it was a little less surprising on the um, worker B level than it was for the senior leaders. Did I totally concur. And I think there's still a bit of a gap sometimes in their perception of, of reality. Yeah, I think that's probably true. Now, I love talking to people who've been in this game for a while about kind of the evolution of people using webcams. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, it used to be like dealing with tribes in New Guinea where they were afraid, you know, you'd steal their souls right. uh, if you <laughs> used the, the camera. Um, but what was your experience? Kind of what was the progression of people using cameras like from, you know, initial 
bringing up the idea to where we are now? You know, I would, I, I've never really thought about the timing of the arc of that question, but I do think it was COVID that made that, it, it was the threshold. It was the tipping yeah. point. Even my business partner, we both went, we meet every Thursday morning for our weekly standup and we're never on camera, even to this day, because we don't need to be, we're talking, you know, we don't need to be, but we, you know, we've worked together for years and we just, I don't like looking at myself on camera. It's easier not to, but for everybody else and with the clients kind of mandatory camera on, if it's not, that's the unusual piece. I have to, you know, it's different now. It is what's really funny to me is how many people show up, you know, WYSIWYG, you know, what you see is what you get. They don't even bother to put on makeup anymore. I'm like, I kind of like that change. It's more authentic. Um, but you know, it's funny. There's two things, two things about about that. I'm sorry. One more thing. What I love about the camera is we, it's easier to expand emotional bandwidth on a team because you're getting a little peek into people's homes. You know, you're getting to see my dining room wall and, or whatever. I, I, and I think that has helped people feel comfortable reaching through the digital technology to approach others because they don't feel quite so remote. You know, it's funny. I talked to a manager who said essentially the same thing, that he had so much more empathy now for his workers because, you know, he he said, I see them in their natural habitat, which sounds, it sounds odd, right? Yeah. Uh, But it's, but it's true. You see that maybe they are working from the north end of the dining room table. Mm-hmm. or the kids are banging away in the background. And he said it really gave him a sense of what people are really like. And the fact that, you know what, I just got back from the gym. You got to take me as I am. Right. Was actually a bridge to building those relationships because yeah. people were far more authentic. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a surprise to me. I'm delighted. But it was a surprise to me at how that just, it broke that veil, right? Well, it, it's funny. It didn't surprise me so much. I mean, a, a dear friend of mine, Alice Stuhlmacher at DePaul, had done a study primarily with women in the workplace, but found that uh, when people couldn't put, put a face to a name, when they were just an email yeah. signature or yeah. a voice on the phone, there was an increase in negative behavior. Uh, exclusion, withholding information, lying through your teeth, <laughs> you know, bullying in yeah. the worst case scenarios because you didn't actually have to look at somebody. And a lot of us were like, isn't this wonderful? Isn't this a lovely bonus? And yet you would talk to people in some organizations, which shall remain nameless, uh, who said things like, well, they only want us on camera so that they know we're working. Well, that says a lot about the culture. Well, that's what I said. I said, if that is the default assumption that people are making about why their bosses want to see yeah. them, there are way bigger problems here than bandwidth. Yep, I agree. What have you learned the last two years? <laughs> well, you know, I've all, I, I mentioned earlier that I've always said technology was the enabler, but people were the key. And I and I meant that, but it was really more flippant. Um, 
when I rewrote Working Virtually, my book, um, almost 20, well, how long later? So I rewrote it in 1998. I rewrote it in 2017. So do the math. Almost 20 years later. I thought it would be so easy because the people parts are essentially the same. And they are. Um, but when I really went back and looked at the first version, uh, first edition, I had an entire chapter of vocabulary. This is the internet. This is email. This is a list serve. This is what you use each for. And when I rewrote it, I basically had to throw the first edition out and start from scratch because the tenet is still true. Technology is the enabler. People are the key. But that technology has come so far that I think the biggest surprise for me is how much of the Borg we've become just in the way we live our worlds and our lives at work and at home. And that without the technology, we'd still get it done with Dixie cups and a string, but it just wouldn't be so easy. Um, and we wouldn't and have I don't think it could be as, And I don't think it could be as so widespread. Right. Um, you know, I, I say to people all the time, go ahead, complain about teams. And, and by the way, go ahead, complain about teams. They might actually <laughs> do something about it. But, you know, can you imagine even 10 years ago trying to do the volume of remote work and the, right. the functions that we can do remotely? Right. right. And, right? And, and the technology and the network services are so robust they were able to handle that increase yeah. in volume overnight. So I think I'm just really impressed with the technology, you know, and that it's user friendly. It is WYSIWYG. You don't have to be a programmer to get it. So that's probably the biggest surprise. Um, I think on the downside, I think the biggest surprise is how some folks, and I love my C-suite clients, love them to pieces, but there's still that resistance to really embracing a an, a remote first culture um, out of fear, even though we as a working world have proven that we can stay connected across time and distance. So we still have some work to do on mindsets, I guess. Well, I think that mindset is really important. For me, the big surprise, it wasn't a surprise. Having it confirmed was depressing. Yeah. Well, there, that's a was, good, was that's a good people's point. inability to put guardrails around their time mm -hmm. that, you know, the problem, as we found out about a year into the pandemic, was not were people working, it's were they stopping? Exactly. Were they exactly. able to manage their time and be in charge of their own flexibility? And there's a three beverage conversation about how we've been brainwashed in this always hustle, always working kind of world. Mm -hmm. uh, but just to realize how many people struggle with that mm -hmm. and uh, being in charge of themselves when for 150 years, the entire system has been set up for other people to take charge of us. Well, and, and we live in a society that that we define our value and self-worth by what we do and how successful we are at it and how much money I make and how important we are in our jobs and all these other kinds of things. And, you know, this is a broader discussion than how far we've come with virtual work, but... It really, I am delighted that so many 
people in the workforce, my age all the way through to the, you know, my students um, who are all ages, but a lot of them are in the young 20s, are saying, is this all there is? You know, really questioning the assumptions we've made about the commitments we should be making to our jobs. And that's a whole different conversation for a different day, but it's a it's a worthy conversation so that we can find that way to really deploy to strength for one thing, look at results instead of time put in, collaborate to come up with efficiencies that have, I mean, there's so many opportunities here, right? And to, to see that we're more than just our job title and our business card. That is a great place to stop this. <laughs> Trina, it is so good to talk to you. Uh, it is so good to see you again. Uh, if you are interested, uh, we will have Trina's LinkedIn information and how to contact her and all that good stuff in our show notes. I am going to banish Miss Trina for just a moment while I wrap up. And thank you for listening to the Long Distance Work Life. Uh, you listen to enough podcasts, people. You know the drill. Please like and subscribe and tell people and all of that good stuff. You can find our show notes along with links to Trina, along with a Q&A box where you can submit questions to us. Uh, just go to longdistanceworklife.com. If you have not yet... Um, if you have not yet read Long Distance Leader and Long Distance Teammate, we highly recommend that you do that, of course. And if you are interested in developing the skills to be a great long distance leader, uh, please, on our website, you will also find links to a four-video series, Demystifying Remote Work, as well as our public programs, the Remote Leadership Certificate Series. That is enough of me babbling. Uh, thank you so very much. You can reach me, Wayne, at KevinEikenberry.com, Marissa at KevinEikenberry.com. Uh, don't let the weasels keep, keep you down. We will see you soon. Thank you so much for listening.